to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. We're in Jonah 3 today and Jonah has been a, a real inspiration and a challenge. So let's read Jonah 3 verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Wait, Jonah gets a second chance after such a disastrous start? Uh, This book of Jonah is really a game of two halves, isn't it? But did he deserve a second chance? Do we deserve a second chance Uh, and the book of Jonah is really more about God's kindness and nature than about you know survival rescue and evil and it's actually not a a, a, an effective missionary textbook you know some scholars have actually uh, referred to Jonah 3 verse 1 as the gospel of second chances I really like that, so I dug really deep down into my creativity and called this message the Gospel of Second Chances. (laughs) I remember my first experience of clay bird shooting. I was, it was a round robin thing uh, at my ex Shermilker's farm, and he had the clipboard. And after watching a group of his mates do quite well, uh, my friend said, Murray, you're up. All eyes were on me. And the first few clays just seemed slightly repulsed by my, my first shots. <laughs> but I finally managed to shatter one. Yay! This was exciting. I was getting my eye in. I was really into it. And my friend said, um, basically, um, Murray, you're out. <laughs> this was my one chance, my one moment to progress and um, shoot more clays later. But no, my shooting was over for the day. We're in week three studying the minor prophet Jonah. It's it's around about page 650 in my Bible. But you have a look. It's pretty hard to find. It's in there between all the minor prophets. So if you want to turn to that, last week we left Jonah on the beach covered in seaweed. Um, his skin bleached white from, from whale or big fish acid, and his body covered in ribcage bruises. I'm sure he got tumbled around like a tumble dryer in there. But he was alive. Does anyone feel like that today? You feel pretty beat up emotionally or perhaps even physically drained, and you're like not in a good place, but you're alive and you're here. Praise God. I've got good news coming, but first, um, I just want to say, haven't we had an amazing introduction uh, to this prophet's journey over the last two weeks from Mark and Jim? It's been great, hasn't it? The backstory was that God first clearly spoke to Jonah in chapter 1, if you remember, asking him to go and speak against the vilest city on earth, basically, at that time. So evil was this place that they continually devised new ways to torture people. 
They sacrificed babies to their gods and they took great delight in bloodshed. They were Israel's worst enemies and Jonah's mission impossible. Can you really blame Jonah for heading in the opposite direction at first? Not wanting to be tortured in enemy territory. When we were in the Gold Coast, Jenny and I went to the uh, Wax Museum, Madame Tussauds. And down below is the Chamber of Horrors. And um, it was part of it. You just paid for both. And um, Jenny didn't want to go. And I said, it's, it's history, love. It's actually what a lot of Christians went through. These devices were used on Christians. So we suffered through it with me holding Jenny's hand and saying, it's okay, love. You know. But there are so many ways people have designed to hurt other people. Eh? Tragic. But here in Jonah 3, verse 1, we see a very different man now ready to enter Nineveh. This was a broken, humbled, and more obedient man. And we don't know the, uh, how you know, long the journey was between the coast and Nineveh. We don't know how long it took uh, Jonah to take that journey, but what we do know is that the faith journey between shipwreck and becoming whale vomit was huge. The changes in Jonah was massive. And maybe that's for us today too. From beach to Nineveh was easy in comparison because he was given a second chance in the great fish and a second word from the Lord on the beach. Despite his encouragement, I'm sure every step toward Nineveh would have been a step of courage and faith. And I want to say it's one thing to hear from God, but it's another to obey, isn't it? That's a word for today. We need to hear and obey. Listen and obey straight away. That was what Aaron and Amy told their kids when they were little. So let's read on. Let's read verses 1 to 4 of Jonah 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Verse 4, Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. See, Jonah's encounter uh, with God in the deep darkness of that great fish was his turning point. We all need a turning point, don't we, in our life when we meet Jesus. But for him, that turning point was between running and following. He was now Nineveh ready. He had witnessed God do the impossible. And now he was ready to do things God's way. You know, despite his timely repentance down there in the ship, in the, in the, in the fish, and God centered prayers inside that fish, Jonah still could have rushed out in his own strength and tried to save Nineveh, couldn't he? But now he's on the beach. 
And he's ready to listen to the Lord. And the Lord answered in verse 2. He says, arise, go, and proclaim. Three verbs, three doing words. But the most important one of these was to proclaim. You see, just, just say, that what, say that which I am going to tell you, says the Lord. That was all he was given. Just say that which I'm going to tell you, says the Lord. And that's the key right there for us in our generation. We are simply to be an obedient mouthpiece for the Lord in our circle of influence as he directs. That's significant. I've read this many times. I've never really stopped and paused to see the changes in Jonah and the fact he was now willing to do it God's way. What followed was nothing short of a supernatural, mind-blowing, never-seen-before or since, large-scale, city-wide revival. I, I never really thought that through as well. It's never been seen before or since that our entire city is saved. You think about that for a moment. It's almost like something we hear out of the Midwest of America, isn't it? an entire city. You know, never before since seen large-scale citywide revival. <laughs> How exciting would that be here in 2023? Why not? Why not here? Why not Huntley? What made Nineveh great in God's eyes? That's a question. Not just great. But exceedingly great, it says in verse 3. What made Nineveh great? What made it special? I can tell you now, it was not, as, as Andy said, not Nineveh's architecture, as impressive as that was. And it was not the big powerful army as fierce and well-equipped as they were. It was the fact that God placed huge value on Nineveh's people. He called them great because he greatly loves all people. He loves all people groups and cultures. Then he loved them then and he still does now. He's the God of second chances. That's what made Nineveh great. They got a second chance. Isn't that awesome? Is that encouraging? Is anyone excited? Did God love their behavior? No. Did he approve of how they treated each other and their enemies? No. Does he tolerate evil forever? No. But out of the depth of his character and love nature, he could not eliminate them without a warning in the form of a prophet. One man stood between Nineveh and destruction. That one man was far from perfect as we've seen over the last two weeks. Amen. I think we've established that, that you know, this one man, he wasn't perfect. He was, but he was still bearing the marks of bruises and whale acid. You think of that. He carried the marks of hardship into that city. And he walked into the city center and said what God told him to say. What he spoke in the original language, I looked it up, was actually in fact said with less words than the English translation. He said, yet 40 days 
and Nineveh will be overthrown. Not exactly a long, lengthy message, is it? Eight words. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He didn't even mention repentance. But that was what God had said to say. And sometimes, you know, we just hear from God and we think, what? But if that's what God wants us to say, that's what we say. Do you think Amy would mind me sharing the story about the boy at youth group? She was just talking with this young guy and he was really troubled. And, and, um, and, and she said, does the word clown, clown mean anything to you? And this boy, far, oh, far out. How did you know that? And Amy just heard it from God. And this boy said, far out all my life I've been called clown boy. And I don't like it. And God touched an area in his life that needed some healing. See, we just have to know the word. Sometimes it's just one word. Despite his many flaws, Jonah was a walking, talking testimony. Even though it wasn't much talking, he was a walking, talking testimony to the supernatural power of the living God. With those eight words, or less in his language, he stood in the gap and he became a living testimony to the God of the impossible who was still and still is the God of second chances. His skin all bleached from whale acid. Would you listen to this guy? Probably. Could we stand in the gap as he directs? Are we willing to do that? Can he use us despite our flaws? Yes. Did God act? Yes. But not in the way Joseph expected. And that's for next week. But let's read verses 5 to 8. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God. Wow. From those eight words. The people of Nineveh believed in God. And they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth and ashes, and sat on ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and the nobles, his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them... Uh, eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and let each let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked ways and from the violence which is in his hands. See, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit falls, it's a great leveler, isn't it? Rich and poor. Kings, nobles, prisoners, and servants are all equal in God's eyes. See, in Nineveh, having heard Jonah, they all, without exception, fasted and prayed to the true God of Israel, the one they'd been previously cursing, the enemy's God. Then they exchanged their outer garments, took them off, and put on sackcloth, which was usually only worn by the poorest slave followed by covering their heads with ashes. That would be like the Californian governor, along with Hollywood A-listers, Harry and even Megan, sheltering under cardboard in downtown LA. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Bringing it to home. 
with no food or water indefinitely. The Bible doesn't say how long that fast went. Archaeology digs have discovered the remains of Nineveh. The city contained beautifully ornate buildings, home to a very sophisticated and refined culture on the outside. This was one of the wealthiest and most influential cities of its time. This was the London, the Paris, or the New York of its day. The king made, makes a decree that no person, it mentions flock, herd, or beast, covers it all, should eat or drink water, but be covered with sackcloths. Can, can animals repent? I don't know, maybe some need to. <laughs> some that we've had trouble with <laughs> but this is a total surrender for all I think that's what God's saying here it's just a total surrender for all then the most amazing part of the story is what the king says next he is incredibly specific regarding how to respond to the Lord of Lords each person was to call on God earnestly he even tells them how to approach God and then turn from the evil of his hands. Wow, this is just not some external show, you know, to just get over this. Let's get through this. Here, come on, let's, oh, let's go along with it. Wow, what a renewal of heart. See, God's looking for a renewal of heart, mind and body involving outward and internal signs of change. Can you see internal changes happening in you from where you were in the place you were maybe, say, five years ago? Can you see differences? Perhaps others could. It's not an outside-only job, this one. He's looking at the heart, and the king gets it. This was prophetic. The king was prophetic. Jonah didn't need to say another word or convince anyone the king was doing his job for him. The previously evil ruler was virtually sharing a salvation message with his own people, including the hope of a second chance. He expresses that hope in verse 9. Let's read it. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. That's hope right there. We need hope, eh? We so need hope. And our community needs hope. Our nation needs hope. Prophetically, he was stating 1 John 1 9, which says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10 If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The king was doing it. Didn't even know God. He was prophetically bringing salvation to his own people. Wow. This is a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. When God sees their deeds, that they turn from their wicked ways, he relented concerning the calamity he had planned. Wow. He knew their hearts were in it and that it was real. God knew their hearts. None of had a second chance. 
Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, prophetically, the king of Nineveh was bringing in almost scripture from the new covenant, saying, look, maybe God will relent and forgive us our sins. He had no knowledge or concept of God sending his only son to pay for those sins. But he just knew this God was worth trusting in. This is the promised good news I spoke of earlier. That's our second chance right there. Romans 10 verse 9. Salvation is a free gift for all who repent and call on him and call him Lord. And I... I know about second chances, or something about second chances. I'm embarrassed to tell a story. I, I feel silly about it, but on Friday, Aaron, Hemi, and I drove quite early up to, and Jenny came too, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, we were in different vehicles. And um, we got to Matakana to help our eldest son, Craig, dehorn his bulls, which were pretty big, and they should have been dehorned a lot, lot younger. But we had a vet, <laughs> and it was uh, we knew it would be a challenge, a massive challenge. And uh, so we had everything ready for when the vet came. Everything was anchored, big bale, strong things, all that ready. We were going to just bring in three at a time, and we had it all worked out. We had a plan, but the plan changed a little bit. They were so big, these bulls that to get their horns through the gate, we only had a millisecond to get the gate, the crush across to their neck, and they bolted out through the gate, about half of them we couldn't catch. And they had to go around again and again. So Hemi and my job was to actually slow them down a little bit at the front, just so that Aaron had a millisecond longer to get the gate, the, the lever down. Their necks were so huge. And we were trying to be as careful as we could Always had a little place to hide or jump up on a rail. These were big boys, three-year-old waggies. Anyway, I was doing my thing and he bolted and, and I kind of stepped slightly the wrong way and tripped. Ended up on my back with a bull coming right at me. 700 kilos of waggie, still with his horns on. And for this millisecond, I had this weird kind of peace. It sounds so bizarre. The vet said, did your life flash before you? And I said, no. With that, we made eye contact. And with that, he leapt over top of me, breaking three rails. It is the closest I have ever come to an animal hurting me like that. It's in 50 years, so... I am so grateful to be here today. I am praising God, you know. All my life you've been faithful. That song just came alive. But what I want to say is what second chance are you needing today to put your trust in God? Is it a relationship issue? Is it a financial one or a secret addiction you need to get rid of that God's giving you a word about? You need a second chance, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth. Seventy times seven, he tell Peter to forgive. 
I can't promise it will be instantly cured. But I do know that this personally, that miracles <laughs> are discovered in the quiet place of surrender and repentance. We have to find that quiet place in God daily. We didn't read our Bibles much in Australia, and we came back. We weren't in a good place, you know, for praising God. You've got to have time in the Lord every day, eh? Your Bible and your prayer. It's that simple. Praise King Jesus for his perfect timing, protection, and grace. In Christ alone, my cornerstone. I just want to read this to conclude. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depth of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. I can testify to that today. Where would we be without Christ? We'd be like Nineveh before Jonah came. Jonah said eight words, and God did all the rest. But he still wanted Jonah to go. Where is he sending you today? Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.